mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, one week to go before city school students are back in class, but not every student is excited about that. What to do if your child is suffering from back-to-school anxiety? Also this morning, we'll meet the Texas teenagers who are using the lessons they've learned as unlikely international taekwondo champions to teach other vulnerable kids how to overcome life's adversities. It's a terrific story. In case you missed it, Buckeye basketball legend Jerry Lucas talks about his special event coming this weekend to Hillcrest Golf Club. And Hope House is wrapping up another successful summer independence campaign, preparing for next month's donor appreciation event. We'll get details. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. I don't know about you, but everybody that I talked to yesterday, myself included, everyone that I talked to yesterday had a Monday. I don't know what it was. There was something in the air. I think we were cursed or somebody. Everybody that I talked to yesterday said that they had a Monday. Just everybody had a case of the Mondays. And with that, I happen to see this on the Newswire this morning. And maybe it's because the uh, editors of the uh, Newswire uh, had a Monday as well. Uh, This latest poll from the folks at Gallup is out, says Americans are consuming alcohol at a very steady rate. (laughs) Uh, This is the Consumption Habits poll that Gallup does periodically. I think they do this every year. And uh, the latest numbers show that 62% of Americans say that they had occasion to use alcoholic beverages such as beer, wine, or liquor. 62% had they said they had occasion to use intoxicating substances. <laughs> I'm thinking yesterday was one of those days. So I don't know about you, but that's uh, the... Uh, By the way, the numbers are largely unchanged in the more than eight decades that Gallup has been tracking this number. In the late 70s, it was at 71% and uh, 62% now. So we're not drinking quite as much as we were 50 years ago, 45, 50 years ago. But uh, 38% this year said that they do not drink at all. 24%, 24%, one in four, says uh, they don't care for alcohol at all. Uh, for those who do drink, 69% say they drank in the past week of when the survey was taken. And 32% said that they had uh, had a drink uh, in the past 24 hours. So you, know, you just pick a moment in time and about one third of us uh, probably had a drink within the past 24 hours of that time. Kind of interesting. The latest, uh, like I said, uh, yesterday was one of those days for me. I don't know about you. (laughs) You Get get done with work for the day and I need a drink. I need a drink. We had those days. Boy, the uh, stories out of Hawaii continue to just be absolutely heartbreaking. This story, um, I think... uh, This guy shared his story on uh, NBC's Today Show. And there are a number of stories like this. Uh, Juby Badoya is his name, and I hope I have that right. Uh, Spent a number of hours in the Pacific Ocean clutching a piece of plywood to 
And he jumped in the ocean to ex- uh, to escape the flames in Lahaina uh, as the fire overtook the town. And it's, I mean, they're right there on the on the coast, right there on the beach uh, of Hawaii. So I guess that would probably be the first place that I would run to, to just jump in the ocean to try to uh, escape the flames. But uh, Mr. Bedoya's story is uh, quite unique because he was in the ocean hanging on to a piece of plywood to stay afloat with one arm while holding a two-year-old child in his other arm. Not his two-year-old, a two-year-old child of a complete stranger. He had no idea whose child this was, but there was a child that needed to be saved uh, from drowning, and so he did what I would hope that any of us would do and uh, held on to the kid as well. As we were in the water, he said, we heard, we just heard people screaming. It was like somebody just dropped a bomb on the town. Uh story on the uh, newswire is uh, just one of those just one of the stories from those who sought refuge in the ocean while fleeing the deadliest wildfire in modern u.s history 19 year old noah Tompkinson and his 13 year old brother also escaped the flames in the water alongside their mother they told the today show that the brothers huddled around their mom to keep her warm as the hours went on because they were in the the fire in the town lasted for hours these people jumped into the ocean, so that's where they stayed uh, as uh, the flames whipped through the town. Sam Younger and his wife Josie fled their beachfront home with just seconds to spare as the inferno torched much of their neighborhood on Front Street in Lahaina. Just completely devastating. Unspeakable, unthinkable, seeing all of what was there, the destruction, and uh, all of the people's lives is just absolutely uh, devastating there but that's i i just saw that uh, story about uh juby bedoya uh clutching a stranger's two-year-old child while he was in the water just um some incredible stories of sadness but also heroism and people uh, just uh, doing uh, incredible things for uh, for others and i'm sure we'll hear more of those stories uh, and in the uh, weeks and months to come. By the way, speaking of uh, places where people visit, and we were talking about this the other day, uh, Lahaina has a long way to go to recover, especially given how much they depend on tourism in uh, in that area. It's going to be a long road to recovery. Uh, speaking of tourism hotspots, this was kind of interesting. Mayor Sylvie Sire of uh, Saint-Tropez. This is a big tourist hotspot. Saint-Tropez wants to end the practice that some restaurants have taken taken up keeping a blacklist of bad tippers. <laughs> In the uh, tourist hotspot, some restaurants are keeping lists of patrons who don't tip well and then banning them from booking reservations in the future. So if you ever visit Saint-Tropez and you don't tip well, they're going to blacklist you and they will not uh, they will not serve you ever again. Uh, the mayor, Saint-Tropez, says this is an illegal practice and it must cease immediately. She said it's, uh, it's akin to organized racketeering. 
She says the poor tipper database um, is for locals and for tourists, but uh, she wants it come to, uh, to come to an end. San Tropez, uh, very well known really since the 50s as a place where the rich and famous will visit the French island there. Uh, so theoretically, if you can afford to travel to San Tropez, you should be able to tip. But- she wants that. Uh, she wants that practice ended. <laughs> um, and I have another story among the uh, first things you need to know this morning. Most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Another story involving a tourism hotspot. The next time you visit Las Vegas, you may want to keep this in mind. Uh, the story says guests staying at hotels on the Strip might want to double check. Before climbing into bed in the past year and a half, health inspectors have found bed bugs in seven resorts on the Las Vegas Strip. Seven resorts uh, confirmed cases of bed bugs. This is according to the Southern Nevada Health District. Uh, on this list are Circus Circus, Caesar's Palace, Planet Hollywood, the Palazzo, the Tropicana, MGM Grand, and the Sahara. So those are the seven that have, according to the health district there in southern Nevada, cases of bed bugs were have been reported and confirmed. Obviously, it's people, I mean, they have tourists in and out. The fact that it's only seven actually is a bit surprising, to me anyway. You see a number of people who visit the Strip and probably bring in bed bugs through infested luggage or clothing, that kind of thing. Um, not a big surprise that there are bed bug issues at some of the uh, resorts. But those seven uh, have been the ones that uh, where they've had uh, confirmed cases. Circus Circus, Caesars Palace, Planet Hollywood, Palazzo, Tropicana, MGM Grand, and Sahara. They want to... Uh, Change your reservation. But I'm sure they took care of those. I mean, I'm sure that uh, they were you know, one-off or, or what have you. I, I doubt that any of those have a uh, an ongoing systemic problem. But uh, anyway, for what it's worth. And finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, something for you to think about here. If you are in a committed relationship, uh, show of hands, who who said I love you in the relationship first? Was it the guys or the gals? What do you think? Who says I love you first? Well, you can probably deduce that the reason I bring this up is that the answer is not necessarily what you might expect. A, uh, a study from... Aberté University finds that across many cultures and countries, it is men that proclaim their love first at the start of a new relationship. They're first to proclaim their love. Men do. A survey of more than 3,000 participants, again, many different cultures and countries, not just in America. 3,000 participants plus found that men say I love you about 107 days into a relationship on average. It takes women 122 days 
to utter those words. Um, On average, men think about saying, I love you, 69 days into a relationship. So 107 days, so it's uh, much quicker than the women by about two weeks. And they're actually thinking it even earlier than that. Participants who were more avoidant were less happy to hear those three little words compared with those who are more anxiously attached. Meaning, the longer you go between when those words start to creep into your mind to when you actually articulate them, the less happy you are to hear them from someone else. Which is probably not a surprise if you uh, think about it. Uh, It may mean you're not 100% sure about the uh, relationship because you haven't vocalized that, even though the thought has crossed your mind. So maybe that does make you a little bit nervous when you hear somebody else say. But anyway, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Not necessarily what you would have expect men say I love you into uh, two weeks earlier into a relationship than do women on average. There you go. Something to think about. Uh, and if uh, and if your man, ladies, if your man did not uh, was not the first to say I love you, you can look at him and say, "What is wrong with you?" <laughs> there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Mostly cloudy today. A high in the mid 70s. Partly cloudy tonight. A low around 60. Focus Recovery and Wellness Community in Finley has received a grant to raise awareness about alcohol-related harms to the public and provide education for vulnerable groups, including those under the legal drinking age of 21. Focus, which is located at 509 West Trenton Avenue, offers free support and resources to anybody impacted by mental health, addiction, or trauma issues in Hancock County. Additionally, the agency's Alternative Youth Center, The Loft, offers a safe space for youth, including those impacted by mental health, addiction, and or trauma-related issues. Learn more about Focus and how this grant money will be utilized in the story on our website. An issue may be on the November ballot in Ohio to legalize recreational marijuana. Supporters of legalizing marijuana needed to gather a few hundred more signatures, and they did so less than 10 days later. Those are now being verified by the Secretary of State's office. If passed, Ohio would be the 24th state to legalize marijuana. I'm Lindsay Mills. The governor's office has announced the new Read Ohio initiative. Its goal is to improve literacy skills at all levels. The governor explained what this education plan will provide for schools across the state. Pay for the cost of high-quality instructional materials that are aligned with the science of reading for public schools that do not have them. Support teachers by funding professional development in the science of reading. The governor says the initiative will also pay to provide literacy coaches who will help teachers implement best practices. I'm Tracy Townsend. The Hancock Historical Museum's Outdoor Classic Movie Night is coming up this weekend. Wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? The museum will be showing Back to the Future on Saturday night. There will be a costume contest, so dress as your favorite Back to the Future character. And there will also be a DeLorean on site for a perfect photo op. The Hancock Historical Museum is located at 422 West Sandusky Street in Finley. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM.
do have to apologize uh, this morning. Apparently some technical difficulties in connecting with our next guest for our cover story this morning. We are one week to go before city students, Finley City student uh, students, are, are back in class. And uh, not everyone is excited about that. Uh, there is... Uh, some students that that, that have um, there are some students who have uh, quite a bit of apprehension uh, this time of year, and it is uh, it is not unusual uh, for that. You know, we think of kids as being excited for back to school, and uh, you know, after the long summer, you get to get to see your friends again, you know, and all of that. But uh, it's not that's not a universal feeling. Uh, a lot of times, kids are very nervous about what the new year uh, may hold, especially those who are reaching new milestones. Maybe you're going from transitioning from uh, elementary school into middle school or middle school going into high school and uh, not sure exactly what to expect. Um, so those are and new kindergartners uh, can be very Nervous about the uh, new school year. Excited, sure, but also very nervous about what this whole going to school thing is all about. And of course, I, I was reading a, a piece uh, just the other day, and this is actually what uh, uh, led us to uh, talk about this or or uh, have this on our uh, schedule. Um, that pointed out not only do today's kids have all of the regular things to be nervous about. Uh, with the upcoming school year, because if you think about it, you know, when we were kids, we had all of those same fears and concerns and all of that. Uh, but today's kids in the modern world have to worry about, you know, cyberbullying or just, you know, the online social media component and by extension, how that affects uh, how that affects them in school and uh, school security is a, a concern. I mean, there are an awful lot of things in today's modern world that just compound those uh, feelings of anxiety and uh, experts say don't ignore those uh, issues in your kids don't just try to dismiss them and say oh you're worrying for nothing it's going to be okay you really should be excited you know those are you know the wrong things to do acknowledge your kids feelings uh, even ask them about that, about that try to start a dialogue with your kids about uh, how they're feeling about back to school, how they're really feeling, because they may not necessarily uh, be uh, willing to just open up uh, out of the blue on this. They are not going to come to you most likely and say, "Hey, I'm nervous about this. I did, you know, I'm I'm worried. All of that." They don't want to uh, give that feeling of weakness, maybe. Um, and you know, kids sometimes they don't open open up to their parents. So start dialogue. Your kids ask what they're worried about. Ask what they're uh, concerned about, and uh, treat those uh, apprehensions seriously. And uh, yeah, it's good to reassure them, but don't dismiss those concerns out of hand. Is the uh, is the point from uh, experts? When you can, of course, uh, take your kids to the school ahead of time, especially with kindergartners if they have. Uh, those open houses where they meet the teacher nights and all of those. Uh, that's not just for the benefit of the parents to meet the meet the teachers and get the lay of the land. The kids, uh, it, again, especially those ones that are reaching 
new milestones, starting a new school at a new grade level or moving into a new district, uh, that can be very uh, unnerving as well. So uh, take them along and, and get them familiarized with the lay of the land, uh, as, it, uh, as it were. Uh, make an appointment if the if school does not have one of those open house nights uh, ahead of the start of the school year. Call the teacher and and uh, if it's uh, if it's something that you feel the need to and and arrange for a meeting. Um, most teachers be more than willing uh, to do that and uh, try to get your get your kids into that routine. Now we've got a week until uh, city students are are back in class for the county schools. It's a little bit longer. But you can start getting into that routine uh, now so that it's not just a clean break from, from summer on the night before school starts. Um, you can sort of ease into the, uh, the uh, routine. And, of course, uh, ultimately, if, there, uh, if all else fails, you, know, you can seek professional help uh, for cases of anxiety and um, that kind of thing. Not necessarily necessary in every case, but... Again, just some reassurance for your kids uh, that uh, their fears are not silly or unfounded or anything like that. Kids have reason to be nervous. Take it seriously and uh, talk with them about it. Try to work this out. Just one of the things we want to keep in mind that uh, not every student is necessarily eager to go back to class for any number of reasons. And this is one of those opportunities where mom and dad, you can certainly be there for your kids. Um, we've got a link up for more information at our webpage, goodmornings.net. And again, our apologies uh, to Dr. Vince Callahan, who was supposed to be our uh, guest in this segment to talk more about that. We're having a little technical difficulties in uh, in contacting uh, Dr. Callahan. But uh, a lot of uh, he's a uh, child mental health expert uh, with the Florida Institute for Neural Discovery. And uh, he's got some uh, great advice on dealing with those issues um, psychologically uh, with your kids, not minimizing them and, and uh, making sure that they are as comfortable as they can be uh, heading into the new school year because you don't want to have them start on day one being app- apprehensive and, and nervous. They're going to be that, but the more you can sort of uh, reassure them and help them through, especially those transition times, uh, the better off your students will be setting them up for a, a good school year. Well, you know what? You'll find most teenagers probably hanging out with their friends or glued to their phones. Our next guests, Sally and Jonah Ismail, took a very different route in their teen years, pouring themselves into their studies, writing a book, forming a nonprofit, competing successfully at international taekwondo competitions. Along the way, they discovered their inner strength, resiliency, and a positive attitude by overcoming a lot of obstacles. And they are sharing their motivational and touching story in the book, The Night Blooming. And uh, Sally, Jonah, thank you both for taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us, sir. Thank you so much. So I want to start with a, a little bit of the backstory. You got this incredible work ethic. We talked about all of the things that you did at a very young age. You got that incredible work ethic that allowed you to do all of those things from a very young age. Kind of talk a little bit about where that sort of motivation comes from. Our personal story, um, especially through the sport of Taekwondo, has taught us the meaning of 
its origin and its principles of uh, courtesy, discipline, perseverance, indomitable spirit. And usually that isn't presented in today's uh, world, in today's, in the modern sport of Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. However, through our personal experience, whenever at the age of 10, we were abused psychologically, mentally, and emotionally by our former Taekwondo coach. Yeah. Um, threatened all the dojos within and without our uh, our state um, to take us in as their own athletes. And this essentially left us training out in the open all by ourselves. Hmm. Two 10-year-olds still with a passion for their sport of Taekwondo, but essentially are lost. And however, we still had that passion and that love for our sport of Taekwondo, especially its foundational principles. And we continued training for another year out in the open, trying to look for spaces to study and uh, to, to train, um, such as our school's track and field, um, which was opened on the weekends, um, and just exploring within nature, running in uh, in um, tr- uh, local, tra- park. Yeah, local park, yeah. um, and, and even trying to make uh, space in our living room, trying to <laughs> move the furniture. And it's just all of this that we were trying to deal with. And our parents, they thought that we would quit and give up, move on to another sport. Well, yeah. Just as any other, just as any other kid would have. However, we still loved our sport of Taekwondo and we knew that we wanted to pursue it, keep competing, keep practicing and keep training our mentality. Cause this sport it, isn't just a physical one. It, it trains your mind how to, how to think, how to adapt mm-hmm. and just how to creative and resilient. I, and so. We, I, we ended up uh, creating our home dojo garage in our um, home garage, and we've been training there for the past eight years. Wow! Just developing physically and mentally. Every battle or obstacle we face has a purpose and determines our passion for success. Regardless of what comes our way, we're the only ones who can decide to confront it and continue to move forward. That is such a uh, a mature attitude and again like you said most kids especially at that age would have given up i mean that's what you would kind of expect um based on you know the developmental i mean you know when adults are faced with uh with obstacles again at one point you know even adults will will give up but they can be a lot more persistent than kids uh at that at such a young age uh -hmm. talk about getting past those does that all come from the uh from the the experience within taekwondo or the disciplines there was that instilled from your parents i mean it just come to you naturally i'm, I'm just kind of curious as to you know why that didn't happen for you really we truly fell in love with taekwondo because of the principles it withhold such as discipline and determination and these principles shaped our entire lives basically whether it would be our education, whether it be in sports, or whether it be just in life, learning the, from the obstacles we are confronted with and overcoming the obstacles and overcoming the limitations that are surrounding us. We were essentially forced to get out of our comfort zone. And uh, obviously, the fact that you had each other, I'm sure, was uh, paramount in all of this and, and made all the difference in the world as well, that it wasn't just one of you, it was the two of you kind of against the world. <laughs> Yes, yes sir. sir. We were yeah. each other's motivating factor. We are what kept each other keep going, no mm-hmm. matter what the obstacles were, 
or the rejection we face. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, you talk about this uh, under the scope of uh, Taekwondo and your your passion uh, for that sport, but it's uh, about mm-hmm. more than just you know the abuse that you had and the experience you had with the with the coaching and with the hierarchy of uh, you sports and and things like that. I mean, this is a strength that helped you deal with all of the things that, especially youth, all youth uh, encounter bullying and overcoming yeah. rejection, and in your case, uh, the the prejudice that comes along with your Arab American background and and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. All of those things that are unfortunate realities of the world that we all live in. Yes, yes sir. sir. So we formed the nonprofit, our nonprofit, The Power Within, just after our experience going to the World uh, Cadet Taekwondo Championships. We, by that time, we had, you know, you know c- counted numerous medals, gathered um, numerous awards for these Taekwondo competitions and just have participated in so many of these tournaments. And we just, both me and Jonah, we came back and we just gained this sense of perspective and just reflected on our experience. And we just, we said, okay, these past years, we've been accumulating all of these medals and honors, but what impact have we as ourselves had on our community? Okay, we got this medal. We got, we participated in this competition. It's very satisfactory for us to prove our worth and prove that our abuser did not overcome us. But at the same time, we wanted to have that impact on others who may need their, the help um, just that we, like we did in our own experience. Mm-hmm. They may be going through that maybe their parents don't understand or their friends don't understand. But maybe we would because we went through the same thing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be abuse or discrimination. It could be poverty. It could be anything that a situation that a person cannot control. And our target community is underprivileged young people who may lack the means to discover these powers. And we want to take these young minds to the next level where they can thrive and develop. And we believe that we all have the power within us, but we need to embrace this power and we need to open the door and let it see the light. Hmm. Uh, I could go on and on because it is a fascinating story. And I also uh, just... uh, one of the things that I take away, it strikes me that the book is not only something that can serve as uh, motivation and inspiration for those who have experienced uh, challenges of any kind as you speak, but also kind of a wake-up call for all of us to kind of look in the mirror and ask ourselves if we're part of the solution or part of the problem. So there is that level of it uh, as well. Where do folks uh, learn more? You have a website where uh, folks can learn more uh, about uh, everything that you are involved in, the nonprofit and so on? Yes, sir. So you can purchase the Night Blooming at the nightblooming.com. Okay. And our main social media platform is at Sally and Jonah Ismail, where we post uh, motivation quotes and empowering messages. And you can also find our nonprofit organization's website at Again, Sally and Jonah Ismail with us this morning. The book is called The Night Blooming. Sally, Jonah, thanks very much for taking the time and certainly continued success. Thank you for having us, sir. Thank you so much. Have a great day. So you might have heard about this. We first told you about it last month when it was announced. Buckeye basketball legend Jerry Lucas and a bunch of his Buckeye buddies are going to be holding a special event this weekend at Hillcrest Golf Club. 
It's all to benefit his Dr. Memory Visual Learning Program. And uh, last I checked, there was still some availability if you want to uh, take part in this event. Should be an awful lot of fun with uh, Jerry Lucas, just a, a great guy. And uh, one of the Buckeye legends will be joining him. Hobnobbing with you and I, playing a little golf, raising a little money. In case you missed it on the program a few weeks ago, we got the chance to speak with Jerry Lucas about uh, that visual learning program, Dr. Memory, and about the event this weekend at Hillcrest. Give us uh, the details on this. Well, the event will be held at Hillcrest uh, Golf Club on August the 19th, Saturday. Uh, A lot of my friends will be there, Archie Griffin, Clark Kellogg. Uh, John Diebler, Aaron Kraft, Jay Burson, Jim Clemens, and Jimmy Jackson might show up. He has an engagement, but he might come. And the purpose of the event is to raise funds in my nonprofit corporation, which is Dr. Memory Visual Learning, to help create my revolutionary educational website, which is a total new way of learning that makes learning automatic, automatic, fun, and unforgettable, which sounds impossible, but I've worked 40 years creating and developing that. So it'll be a great day. There'll be a lot of fun, great food, uh, the opportunity to win some wonderful things uh, and the opportunity to bid on some great things. One of them, for instance, is uh, two tickets uh, uh, on the 50-yard line for the Michigan State football game upcoming this year and the night before on Friday, a dinner at Jeff Ruby's with me and my family. So, wow. Uh, there, 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 are, there are a lot of things that will be offered, and it'll be a great day. Uh, that is uh, definitely going to be a, a an event not to be missed. And so, Dr. Memory Visual Learning. Now, this, as you uh, mentioned, is a venture that uh, you have been working on. This has been your life's work for four decades uh, or, or so. Uh, this long-running Lucas Learning System. Explain what this is and how it works. Well, all children learn automatically before going to school. They don't know what they're doing. Their parents don't know what's happening. They don't know the alphabet. They don't know numbers, so how can they learn? They learn as parents point to and identify objects that they can see. We all had it happen to us. That's a chair, that's a cat, that's a dog, that's a tree, etc. Now, in this process, miracle after miracle is a happening that we aren't aware of because God has given us a remarkable ability that causes every tangible item that we identify to never be forgotten. Because every time we think of it, it reappears in our minds. If I say, for instance, please do not see a zebra in your mind, it's too late. You just saw a zebra. Yeah. You know, and I mentioned a giraffe or, or an elephant or whatever, they all appear in your mind. And the problem in education is we've never been able to use that automatic learning ability because nothing has ever had an identity. It's all ink on a page, abstract information. If a pronoun walked into the room where you are right now, you've never seen one, so you couldn't know what it was. So I have spent my lifetime giving tangible identities to everything children need to learn, and it's remarkable how fun it is, how easy it is. It's spent a lifetime, it's taken a lifetime to create it, but now is the time to make it a reality, to make a in complete change in the educational system in America. And this, this golf outing will help towards that end. How did you come up with this idea and design this system? I mean, what attracted you to this uh, mission? Well, as a boy, I had an incredibly active mind. And when I learned to count, I counted everything I saw and tried to remember what was there when I came back. 
when I learned to spell, I began to spell every word I saw alphabetically, rearranging the letters in alphabetical order. Hmm. For instance, cat is spelled C-A-T, but alphabetically, it's A-C-T. A comes before C, C before T in the alphabet. Yeah. I can do it faster alphabetically than anybody else can regularly. For instance, I'm sitting in front of my computer, C-E-M-O-P-R-T-U. There's a television, E-E-I-L-O-S-T-V. There's a picture on the wall, C-E-I-P-R-T-U. Now, of course, that has absolutely no purpose and no value at all, but it kept my mind active. And in the fourth grade, our teacher came in one day and said, Class, today, I'm going to teach you how to remember the names of the Great Lakes by using a picture. That was the first and last time a teacher ever did that for me. But she said, imagine the Great Lakes in your mind. Now see homes floating on them. And here's the reason why. Homes is spelled H-O-M-E-S. And those are the beginning letters of the five Great Lakes, Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, and Superior. Hmm. And I thought to myself as a young boy in the fourth grade, wow, I'll never forget that as long as I live because I can see it in my mind. Yeah. And then the next thought gave me the purpose for my life. I thought, what if I could picture everything I needed to learn? And the game was on, Chris. Uh, I began to do it. I didn't know what I was doing initially, but it, it grew, it matured, it, it became more sophisticated. And, and I've had the opportunity to do some remarkable things that will change things dramatically and forever in education. So the key to this is not so much uh, teaching the kids directly, but teaching them how to learn in this way that will allow that information to stick with them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, and they can never forget it. Let me give you an example of a picture I have to teach a state and a capital, for instance. You can't see it, but you can imagine it as I describe it. It's Arkansas on Little Rock, and I have a picture, an animated picture, a humanized picture of an ark like Noah's Ark standing up. Mm -hmm. There is a can in front of it, and it's holding a saw. So there's an ark, a can, and a saw. You can see it. Now, the can is being used as a holding place, so the ark can saw a Little Rock in half. So what's the capital of Arkansas? Little Little Rock. Rock. And once you see the picture and have it explained to you, I guarantee you, for as long as you live, Every time you think of Arkansas, that picture will pop into your mind and you will see the answer just as when you think of a zebra, a zebra pops in your mind and you see it. And it's remarkable what has been created, characters, music, unbelievable things to make learning really fun for children in the near future. Well, anything that uh, improves uh, kids' chances of success in lifelong learning, not just kids, for lifelong learning uh, success, I I think is a a worthwhile cause. So again, the event, the Buckeye Legends Golf Classic at Hillcrest Golf Club is coming up Saturday, August 19th at Hillcrest Golf Club. And again, Buckeye basketball legend Jerry Lucas with us this morning. Jerry, thanks very much for taking the time. Really looking forward to the event. Thank you, Chris. I am as well. I appreciated the opportunity to speak with you. Have a good day. Our conversation last month with uh, Jerry Lucas about his big benefit uh, for the Dr. Memory virtual learning programs happening this weekend at Hillcrest Golf Club on Saturday. And again, last check, there is still uh, availability if you'd like to be a part of it. We've got a link up at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net for more information. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. So, have you ever uh, visited uh, Nashville? If you've ever visited Nashville and uh, you've 
uh, gone downtown broad up and down Broadway, although the honky tonks are, you know that there are some very colorful characters <laughs> in in Nashville along the uh, the row of honky tonks and all the bars and the dives and and all of that. But this one, this story, I think takes the cake. Um, a situation that kind of unfurled in the heart of Nashville's uh, Broadway area. Uh, A man by the name of Timothy McNichols, he's 62 years old, uh, attracted the attention of police as he weaved a web of disturbances across uh, multiple bars and hotels. (laughs) Mr. McNichols, at the Grand Hyatt Hotel, uh, security apprehended Mr. McNichols for stealing a hotel employee's scooter. Uh, The whole thing was captured on camera. The plot then thickened when officers connected him to earlier vandalism uh, at the Holiday Inn Express just across the street, where Mr. McNichols is said to have ignited a small fire in a stairwell, along with triggering multiple fire fire alarms uh, and uh, causing about $1,000 in damages to other property at that hotel. Uh, The incident prompted the elevators to be shut down and emergency repairs had to be made. But again, we're not done. As the narrative unfolded, a guest at the Holiday Inn uh, flagged down officers accusing Mr. McNichols of breaking into her room, consuming her food, and damaging her belongings, uh, then jumping into the shower while wearing his boots keeping his boots on, jumping into the shower in this strange woman's room. His alleged antics, punctuated by unauthorized access via a janitor's key, have thrust him into the spotlight as authorities piece together uh, this audacious tale of uh, turmoil on Broadway in Nashville. (laughs) Visiting maybe a few too many of the honky-tonks. You got to wonder, I mean, it sounds like this guy just woke up one morning and said, how much trouble can I get into today? (laughs) I want to set the record for the amount of trouble I can get into in one 24-hour span. Elsewhere in the broken news, uh, this from Provo, Utah, a man is accused of breaking into a church and stealing chicken nuggets. Now facing criminal charges over the weekend. Provo police responded to a report of a suspicious person in the neighborhood of uh, this uh, meeting house of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Officers found the man when they uh, responded to reports of the strange man in the neighborhood. Uh, They finally uh, hunted him down, found him eating chicken nuggets inside the kitchen of the church building. (laughs) Daniel Coleman uh, was identified... Uh, as uh, the individual who would re- uh, who reportedly admitted to unlawfully entering the building and taking the food. He is now uh, housed at the county jail as facing a third-degree felony burglary charge. Those nuggets were worth it. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> this also has a... Uh, Next story also has a something of a religious connotation to it, I suppose. Uh, this from uh, California, um, Marada 
California. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Sandy Ali was hosting a Bible study in her home when one of her friends, who is there, uh, commented that it was cute her dogs were playing in the backyard. The problem was uh, Sandy only has one dog, <laughs> not multiple, not dogs, plural. She only has one dog. So what do you mean the dogs are playing in the backyard? So she looks out to see her dog interacting with a mountain lion. A mountain lion. Uh, the uh, wild animal uh, climbed a, a tree. As she went out to check what was going on, the uh, mountain lion jumped up to, into a tree. She said in just one leap, it was up into the tree like that. That's when she called 911. Local police advised residents to be cautious as a precaution in a statement. Is that as a precaution, residents in the area are advised to bring their animals inside and stay inside themselves. When they say bring animals inside, talking about your animals, not the wild animals. Can you imagine looking out uh, outside, seeing your dog playing with a mountain lion? <clears throat> Apparently, uh, Ms. Ali's dog was fine. <clears throat> He's made a new friend. Did you hear about this? Uh, this story in the news, just crazy. A Texas woman has uh, now been awarded, has won a court case against her ex, uh, her ex-boyfriend who posted private images of her online uh, in social media and on an adult website, according to court documents. It's a revenge porn site. Um, her ex, Jamal Jackson Marquez, reportedly distributed the explicit content along with her name and home address. Uh, court documents say uh, Mr. Jackson also gained access to her bank account to pay his rent. So, nice guy. Gee, I wonder why that relationship didn't survive. Wonder, wonder why he's her ex. Can't imagine why they broke up. Um, now she has been awarded, get this, $1.2 billion dollars in damages, $1.2 billion. Now, to be fair, if he had to hack into her bank account to pay his rent, he's probably not got $1.2 billion laying around. But the point of it, uh, in Texas, it is a felony to share intimate photos or videos of an individual without their consent. And uh, the prosecuting attorney, Jacob Schiffer, says, quote, don't mess with Texas and do not. Mess with Texas women. $1.2 billion in damages. He's going to be paying on that for a long time. A couple of other items here in the uh, broken news. Uh, the uh, odd and unusual side of the headlines. Thomas Lipscomb uh, was in a California Goodwill store looking for stuff that he could resell he was looking for stuff that he could flip stuff that he could find for cheap and maybe sell uh and make a little money he's 26 years old he was looking through a star wars book and he thought hmm, this is kind of interesting collectors might pay uh for this so he's looking through this star wars book at the goodwill store and he found a diploma inside it was a, a diploma 
from Cal, uh, Cal State University, belonging to one Jacob Calabrese, uh, Mr. Lipscomb then found Mr. Calabrese on LinkedIn. He actually did a search and mailed the diploma back to him, along with the Star Wars book that it was, that it was stuck inside. The uh, video documenting the uh, journey of the diploma and the book uh, was uh, on a uh, posted on a TikTok video. Currently has over 1.6 million views. Kudos, Thomas Lipscomb, for actually tracking the guy down and getting his diploma back to him. That's crazy. <laughs> and who sticks their college diploma in a Star Wars book and forgets about it? And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, this is an amazing story uh, out of uh, the Detroit area <clears throat> where a missing 45-year-old woman uh, has been located two days After she crashed her car, uh, she was found by a police dog in a cornfield. 45-year-old woman was missing from her vehicle after an accident on Saturday northwest of Detroit. The car was found, but not the unnamed woman. Trooper Jeff Schreiber began searching the cornfield with his dog, Woodson. Uh, This was, when I said Sunday, it was last Sunday. Um... He began searching the cornfield with his uh, with his dog Woodson, um, going through the the corn uh, at a high rate of speed with the dog. He said it felt like needles going through the face, but the dog picked up the scent, and sure enough, the woman was found a mile from the crash site, and is now uh, hospitalized in stable condition. She's going to be okay. How cool is that? Police dog tracked her down a mile away from the crash. Glad the story has a happy ending. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. I'm John Marshall, and you're invited to the WFIN Coach's Corner. We'll be live at Ralphie's for the Coach's Corner, presented by the Greenery Gifts and Furniture, every Wednesday at 6. We open the season with Stefan Adams, the head football coach for Finley High School, University of Finley Athletic Director Jim Givens, Corey Rawson's old and new volleyball coach Chris Luthold, Bane Beer and Boys soccer coach Jeff Swaysgood, and more. The Coach's Corner, Wednesday night at 6, here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. This interesting survey of 2,000 animal lovers. You have pets in your household, a dog or a cat? Just because you are a pet owner and you love your pets, we all do, but just because you may think you know your pets doesn't necessarily make you an animal expert. 92% of those in this survey, dog and cat owners, turns out, believe something about their pets that is, in fact, untrue. For example, in this survey, 68% of dog owners did not know that a wagging tail uh, is not just a sign of happiness or friendliness. It could also simply mean that your dog uh, is curious about something or is, uh, something has caught his or her attention. Um, so the wagging tail is an indicator of more than just happiness. Kind of interesting. 38% uh, believe that a, a dog's nose, a cold, wet nose, 
was a sign of a healthy dog. Not necessarily true. Uh, It could just be that the dog recently licked their nose. They will do that from time to time. And they will do that. I did not know this. They will do that in order to heighten their sense of smell. They're very, uh, they have a very uh, keen sense of smell, dogs do. And uh, licking their nose can uh, accentuate that. And so that's uh, quite often what a cold, wet nose means. They just lick their nose. 41% of cat owners believe that a cat always lands on their feet when they're they're dropped. Have you heard that? When they fall or when they're dropped, they always land on their feet. And many cats uh, will do that, but it depends on a cat's health and wellness. If the cat is not feeling well, that although that's not necessarily uh, an indication that you need to take the cat to the vet, it just, you know, not all cats will always land on their feet. Kind of interesting. 42% of cat owners believe that their cats can see completely in the dark. That is not true. Their eyes can adjust to very low light, but total darkness? No, they can't see in total darkness any better than we can. And 29% of cat owners believe that their cat enjoys milk to drink. Do you you put milk out for for your cat? Um, I was always told as a kid uh, that uh, not to uh, put water out for a cat. You need to uh, put cat uh, put milk out for a cat. But that is absolutely not true. In fact, it turns out that many cats are actually lactose intolerant. <laughs> so not only is uh, that not true, the exact opposite is, uh, is true, it turns out. Some of the uh, more interesting myths that pet owners believe about their pets. It turns out we're not experts, even though maybe we think we are. You know, we've been talking about uh, back to school and all of that, the end of summer in that context, Uh, but everybody's kind of wrapping up the summer season now. At Hope House, they are closing up another successful summer independence campaign and preparing for some big things coming up in the uh, autumn, including next month's uh, donor appreciation event. Lori Poland is here from Hope House. And uh, Lori, thanks very much for dropping by. Good morning, Chris. Uh, Folks may remember the independence campaign. I think we talked about it uh, right back Mm -hmm. around the 4th of July, and it's kind of a a tie-in to the whole Independence Day thing because it is uh, very, very much... uh, uh, ties in well with with what you do at Hope House, right? So if you're if people are unfamiliar with Hope House, we um, have rental assistance programs for individuals and families in Hancock County that are homeless, mm-hmm. uh, trying to steward them back to a place of uh, of their own. We also uh, what most people know us for is the transitional shelter, yeah. where we house uh, women and children uh, who are homeless uh, for up to nine months so that they can get back on their feet. But it just makes sense to talk about independence during independence day, because again, that is our goal to steward people from homelessness back to independence Mm -hmm. in a place of their own. Unlike independence day, there's more than just a one day, uh, thing though, for you, it is a a fundraiser to, you know, raise awareness and uh, about what you do and obviously the resources to make it happen. Right. You know, as we, as we all know, summer becomes crazy for people. Kids are out of school. People are going on vacations. Right. Um, you know, the weather is nice, so you're outside. And um, so we just want to remind people in the summertime about the services that we provide and the people that we help. Because 
uh, you know, people don't become less homeless in the summer. Maybe that's a little better conditions when it's not ridiculously hot. You know, uh, there's it's a little easier to say live outside in the summer than it is in the winter in Northwest or Ohio. In your car, in your or car, or right? Any of those mm-hmm. things, and and again, these are issues that do happen uh, exactly. in Hancock County. Um, yeah, and of, of course, the heat. We had some extreme heat in mm-hmm. July. If I. I'm so thankful for air conditioning, but I, can you imagine being outside in that heat day right. and night with no relief? And then we're coming into the uh, winter time when conditions are going to be extreme on the other end of the uh, spectrum. And I would imagine this is one of the things uh, that that keeps individuals in bad situations, in unhealthy situations, is that fear of you know winter's coming. Where am I going to go? Or you know it's a hundred degrees out. What? Where am I going to go? How am I going exactly? To and yeah. you know, rural homelessness looks a little different than um, a big city where we have a lot of people. What we call couch surfing. Mm-hmm. They're living on somebody's couch or porch where they mm-hmm. really shouldn't be. Uh, maybe putting their uh, benefits at risk. Um, but we do see more of that in the winter for exactly the reason that yeah, you mentioned. Exactly. So, uh, again, the independence campaign, uh, you've been uh, talking about this uh, during the uh, summer, raising a tremendously successful campaign. Right. Um, yes, we do set a goal in the summer, and we have been very successful uh, with reaching and succeeding that goal. Um, one of the reasons is because we do have corporate sponsors and challenge match sponsors who support us. Um for the fourth year in a row, Ohio Logistics has been our corporate sponsors. But then we do what we call challenge matches. Um, businesses that would say, yes, we'd like to challenge you to, we're going to donate to this cause and we'd like you to as well. And one, a couple of those are the Great Lakes Toyota and Toyota Corporate, uh, who does a dealer match program. Citizens National Bank signed on again this year. Uh, South Branch Solar does a challenge match. Also, we added a new challenge match sponsor this year, and that was RCO Law Firm. So uh, not only are our corporate sponsors uh, renewed year after year, Mm -hmm. they give us that support year after year, but also we were able to bring on a new person this year, and we're always excited for that. Big shout out. Big kudos uh, (laughs) all the way around uh, to those folks for helping to make this happen. Now, uh, that leads us to something you've got coming up here in a couple of weeks. It's, uh, I guess, in about a month, a little less than a month, Mm -hmm. uh, and that is a big donor appreciation event. Right. We haven't done a donor appreciation event for a couple of years. We were just trying to figure out, well, first of all, we had COVID, so you you couldn't be in the same room with anybody. Yeah, that which ruined everything everywhere for everyone. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, so we decided that we would like to do another donor event. Uh, appreciation event and uh, Union Bank is signed on as our main sponsor that allows us to do things for our donors without um, having to uh, take any money away from the programs and the people that we serve. Right. Um, it'll be a very casual event at Gillig Winery. Um, invitations should be in the mail this week. Um, but we also have a very special guest who will be speaking. And that person is Reese Corcus. Uh, Reese is, uh, I think she's 12. 12 or 13. Um, mm-hmm. But she had, she and her family head up the Kindness Club, a group of young ladies um, around her age who uh, not only to Hope House, but to nonprofit organizations all over the city. They come, they volunteer their time, uh, and they have come to Hope House a couple of times. But um, I wanted her to share why her why as a young person mm-hmm. she feels so driven to help others. Yeah. And um, she and her mom will be there um and she will be speaking just briefly about her experience as a young philanthropist. Um, several years ago during COVID, she was supposed to do a, 
she was in a dance club and she was supposed they were t- supposed to do the recital of course they got canceled mm-hmm. so she invited her family and friends over to her home she did her dance recital but she said if you're coming i want you to bring a donation for hope house so cool. um she is very close to our hearts and many of the people in our community uh, from the nonprofit cool. world know her so we i wanted something that was a little non-traditional and um That'll exciting. be fun. More yeah. exciting. That'll than, be fun. Um, you know. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, can people still score an invitation to this event? Yes. If you do not receive one in the mail, you just contact me. Once in a while, you know, postcards do get lost or uh, maybe you've updated. We haven't updated your address. So uh, those, like I said, you should be receiving those in the next week or so. If you do not receive one, please let me know and I will make sure to get you on the list of attendees. Very good. Uh, also want to mention while we're at it, uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be a busy fall, uh, <laughs> not just with the donor appreciation event in september but you've got a big uh, thing coming up in november as well we do november is homelessness awareness month and so last year we uh wanted to do something new and actually this was the brainchild of sarah at uh, finley brewing company she said i just see people like walking along just to do a little more than just the keg tap so we did our first annual hops for hope homelessness awareness walk and we were hoping for 25 to 30 people we actually had 80 walkers (laughs) so it was fantastic i don't know if the fact that you begin and end with beer makes any difference but um, okay it's probably it's, just a it's probably just a coincidence yeah, and probably. the fact that last november was so beautiful but um so on november 9th uh, at 5 30 we will be starting our we will be doing another walk and we just walk around a city block you know it's just to, again to raise awareness for that homeless situation but particularly in our community you know we have seen a little bit more visible homelessness in our downtown so mm-hmm. we want the we want the folks to know we see you we hear you we hear the businesses and their concerns for their business uh, in regard to homelessness and so uh it was so successful last year and we really feel like raising awareness is so important um that there is indeed homelessness in our community right so that will be november 9th um registration is open for walkers we are also still looking for partners who would like to support the event if they'd like to um also um if you would like to this year uh, blanchard valley health uh, system has donated little uh, sacks, little bags, you know, the little nylon bags. I don't mm-hmm. know what their official name is. And um, But if you'd like to donate something to put in the bags, we would also uh, welcome that so that our walkers bags. can have... Goodie yeah, bag, thank you. Bags. So our walkers can have something to take with them uh, to remember Very the event. Cool. We'll have t-shirts printed up again. Um, but again, it's it's we're raising awareness for that homeless situation in our community. So uh, registration for that is uh, actually open now. It is open now. That. Uh, and we mentioned next month's uh, donor appreciation event. Uh, mm-hmm. Still time to get an invitation uh, to that. Where do folks uh, find more information about these events and all of the things that you're doing at uh, Hope House? Um, you can look at, you can contact me directly. These are not on our website yet. So uh, my email is lpoland, just like the country, P-O-L-A. ND at FindleyHopeHouse.org or give us a call at the office at 419-427-2848. Just ask for me, Laurie Poland. I'd love to tell you more. All right. Uh, Laurie Poland with us from uh, Hope House. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, Coach's Corner host John Marshall will join us in the studio as we prepare to kick off another high school sports season. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.